Section 37 of Modern Magic. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Modern Magic, a Practical Treatise on the Art of Conjuring by Professor Lewis Hoffman. Miscellaneous Tricks, Part 4. Another modification of the drawer box is known as the dissecting drawer box. This is, in general appearance, not unlike the ordinary drawer box already described, but with this difference, that the outer case has a raised top, somewhat of a sarcophagus shape. See figure 176. The drawer is partially drawn out to show that it is empty, is again closed, and on being once more drawn out, proves to be full to the brim with flowers. These having been distributed, the performer, to prove the perfect emptiness of the apparatus, not only takes the drawer completely out, but takes the outer case, which is constructed accordingly, the sides, top and bottom being hinged to the back, apart, as shown in figure 177. Notwithstanding this, upon again reconstructing the case, and replacing and reopening the drawer, it is once more found filled with flowers. The reader, being acquainted with the ordinary drawer-box, will have no difficulty in accounting for the first harvest of flowers, but the second may possibly puzzle him a little. The secret lies in the top of the outer case, which, as we have already mentioned, is slightly pyramidal in form, allowing a considerable space between its inner and outer surface, and in this space is packed the second supply of flowers. This space is closed on its underside by a flat wooden slab, A, of the same area as the inside of the drawer, held in position by a thin wooden slip or bead at either end. The hindmost of these beads, B, is so arranged as to yield to pressure, and, when the drawer is pushed slightly in, gives way just enough to release the slab before mentioned, which thereupon falls flat upon the bottom of the drawer, and upon it the hitherto concealed flowers, which, spreading as they fall, completely fill the drawer. THE CHANGING CARD DRAWER This is a smaller variety of the drawer box, designed specially for use in card tricks. The inner drawer is just large enough to contain a pack of cards, which may thus be produced or vanished by its means. Between the bottoms of the true and false or outer drawer, is a space of about an eighth of an inch. This makes the apparatus available not only to produce or vanish, as above mentioned, but to transform one card into another. The card to be changed is for this purpose placed in the outer drawer, which, when closed, carries it under the bottom of the inner drawer, and in this latter is placed the card for which it is to be changed, or vice versa. There is an improved form of the card drawer, with a double change, effected on the principle of the dissecting drawer-box. This is just as above described, with the addition that when the two drawers are pressed smartly home, the action releases a thin slab of wood forming apparently part of the inner surface of the case, and exactly equal in area to the bottom of the inner drawer, into which it falls. When required for use, a card is placed above this slab, which, falling when required, covers the card already in the box, 
and exhibits instead that which has been concealed above it, as in the case of the changing card boxes described in the chapter devoted to card tricks. The uses of such an apparatus will be obvious, but we will describe, by way of illustration, one very good trick which may be performed with it. The apparatus is prepared beforehand by placing a given card, say the knave of spades, above the movable slab, and another, say the eight of diamonds, in the outer drawer. The performer invites two persons to each draw a card, and forces upon them the knave of spades and the eight of diamonds. The cards being replaced in the pack, he, if he has used an ordinary pack, brings them to the top by the pass, and palms them, or if he has used a forcing pack, exchanges that pack for an ordinary one from which those two cards have been removed. Leaving the pack on the table, he exhibits the card drawer, taking out both drawers together, and showing, apparently, that case and drawer are absolutely empty. Closing the drawer, he announces that he will make the drawn cards leave the pack and pass into the drawer. One of the cards, the eight of diamonds, is named, and pulling out this time the outer drawer only, he shows that it contains that card, which is taken out and handed to the person who drew it. Again the drawer is closed, being this time pushed sharply home. The second card, the knave, being now named, the drawer is again opened, and this card shown, the drawer being again taken wholly out, and the drawer and case turned in all directions for inspection, as before, the operator only taking care to hold the drawer with one finger inside, that the movable slab may not, by falling out, betray its presence. Changing Caddies These are of various kinds. We will begin with the simplest, thence proceeding to the more complicated. The conjurer's caddy, in its most elementary form, is an oblong box about six inches in length by five in height and four in width. See figure 178. One half of its interior, which is divided into two compartments by a transverse bar across the top, is occupied by a drawer or movable compartment so arranged as to slide freely backwards and forwards from end to end, according as the caddy is allowed to slope in one direction or the other. See figures 179 and 180. Each compartment has its own lid, the caddy sometimes, but not always, having an outer lid in addition. We will suppose that it is desired to produce any article from the caddy, first shown empty. The article in question, say an egg, hard-boiled for safety, is beforehand placed in the movable compartment, which we will suppose to occupy for the time being the space under lid A, as shown in figure 179. The performer takes off the opposite lid B, and shows the space beneath empty. Before removing the second lid, he slopes the caddy in the opposite direction, so as to bring the movable compartment under lid B, see figure 180, and thus is enabled to show the space under A also empty. He then proceeds with the trick, and at the right moment produces the article from the caddy. It is obvious that the caddy above described is only available for appearances and disappearances, and not for transformations. To obviate this defect, the majority of caddies are now made with three compartments, 
see figure 181, with a sliding drawer occupying two of them. The caddy in this form may be used to change objects in the manner following. The sliding drawer being as shown in figure 181, the article to be ultimately produced, say an orange, is placed in B. The three compartments are now shown empty, beginning with C, and allowing the sliding drawer to assume the position shown in figure 182, before in turn uncovering A and B. The article to be changed, say a watch, is now placed openly in compartment B. The performer closes the lid, and, after a moment's interval, reopens it, but in that interval slopes the caddy so as to again bring the sliding drawer into the position shown in figure 181, when the orange is again brought under B, and, on removing the lid, is disclosed. To show that the watch has really disappeared, the caddy may again be shown, apparently empty, in the same manner as at first. There are a good many varieties of caddies made. One is known as the skeleton caddy, from the fact that the bottom is made to take out, so that the company can look through all three compartments. The sliding drawer in this case is bottomless, and is so arranged as only to slide when the performer releases it by pressing upon a particular spot in the ornamental moulding round the bottom of the caddy. This pressure withdraws a little pin, which normally rests in a little hole in the side of the sliding drawer, and thus renders it for the time being a fixture. In some caddies, again, the sliding drawer does not run up and down by its own weight, but is moved backwards and forwards from below by means of a projecting pin passing through a slit in the bottom of the caddy. The caddy in this case does not require to be inclined one way or the other, and is on this account preferred by many to the other make. The trick next described will introduce to the reader a changing caddy of another and special construction. The Magic Vase and Caddy To make peas change places with a handkerchief. For this trick, two special pieces of apparatus are necessary. The first is a tin vase, of the shape shown in figure 183, and generally of about ten inches in height. It consists of three parts, the vase proper A, the cover B, and a movable compartment or well C, which is constructed upon a principle which we have had frequent occasion to notice, the cylindrical portion of A passing between the inner and outer wall of this movable compartment. It is colored exactly similar to that portion of A which it covers, which therefore looks exactly the same to the ordinary spectator, whether C be in its place or removed. The internal depth, however, of C is little more than half as deep as that of the actual vase, A. The cover B exactly fits over C, and by means of a little appliance called a bayonet catch, will either lift C with it when removed, or release C and leave it upon A. As this bayonet catch is of constant use in magical apparatus, it will be desirable to describe it somewhat minutely. A rectangular cut or slit, see the enlarged view in figure 184, is made in the lower edge of the cover B. Its perpendicular arm is about a quarter of an inch in length, and its width about an eighth of an inch. 
a small pin or stud about an eighth of an inch in length projects perpendicularly from the lower edge of c at such a height that when b is placed over c the upper or horizontal arm of the slit shall be just level with it if the upright arm of the slit be brought immediately over this pin the latter will as the cover sinks down travel upward along the opening as far as the junction with the transverse portion of the slit if the cover be now again lifted the pin will of course offer no obstruction to its removal but if the cover be first slightly turned to the right the pin will become engaged in the transverse portion of the slit and upon then lifting the cover it will carry with it the pin and all connected with it when it is desired to lift off the cover alone it will only be necessary to turn the cover a little to the left thus bringing the pin again over the upright portion of the slit the second piece of apparatus is a caddy figure one hundred eighty five in appearance not unlike an ordinary tea caddy with three equal sized compartments each having its own lid upon close inspection it will be discovered that the internal depth of these compartments is somewhat shallow in comparison with the external measurement of the caddy leaving a space about an inch deep between the inner and outer bottoms a sliding drawer working from end to end of the caddy as already explained occupies the space of two compartments supposing this for the moment removed it would be found that the external caddy in the space occupied by the two end compartments a and c has a false bottom covering the hollow space we have already mentioned but that the space occupied by the middle compartment b has none of the two movable compartments which together constitute the sliding tray already mentioned see figure 186 the one d has a bottom the other e has not when the sliding drawer is in its proper position in the caddy and is pushed as far as it will go towards the one or the other end the result is as follows if it is pushed to the right the bottomless compartment e occupies the space at that end under lid c while the opening in the false bottom of the caddy is for the time being closed by the bottom of d which now occupies the middle space if the sliding tray is pushed to the opposite end i e to the left d will occupy the space a at that end while the bottomless compartment e being over the opening gives access to the space beneath the caddy is prepared for the purpose of the trick by placing in the space between the true and false bottoms a white handkerchief and the sliding tray is then pushed to the right so as to bring compartment d to the middle and thus close the opening the vase is prepared by filling both divisions with peas the two pieces of apparatus having been placed on the table by the assistant the performer opens the caddy and taking off the lids of the three divisions and holding it with his fingers inside the right hand end thereby preventing any possibility of the tray shifting brings it forward to the audience and passing rapidly in front of them begs to introduce to their notice an old tea caddy in which he has accidentally discovered some curious magical properties in the present condition of the caddy all three compartments appear exactly alike and of equal depth and the interior being of a dead black 
the spectators are not likely to notice that they are somewhat shallow. Again closing the lids and replacing the caddy on the table, he next draws attention to the vase. Taking off the cover without the movable compartment, and holding it upside down, he pours the piece contained in the upper compartment, which should not be quite full, into the cover, and back again two or three times, finally offering a handful for inspection. He then borrows a lady's handkerchief, which should as nearly as possible resemble the substitute hidden in the caddy. He asks permission to place it, for the purpose of the trick, in the vase. This is, of course, readily granted, but the peas are in the way. After a moment's pretended hesitation, he says, Well, I will put them in the caddy. Pray observe that I really do so. So saying, he pours them into D, which, it will be remembered, is for the time being the center compartment, leaving that compartment uncovered so that they may remain visible to all. He then places the handkerchief in the apparently empty vase, which he closes and places on the table. He continues, You have all seen me place the handkerchief in the vase, and the peas in the caddy. Now I will show you a very curious experiment. Perhaps some scientific gentleman among the audience will explain how the effect is produced, for I confess that though I have performed this trick some scores of times, I am not quite certain myself as to the reason of the phenomenon. Let me beg you once more to assure yourselves that these are genuine peas, real commonplace peas at tuppence a pint, with no nonsense about them. As he says this, he passes along the front rank of the spectators, exhibiting the peas in the caddy, and occasionally taking out a handful and offering them for closer inspection. As he reaches the end of the line, he says, You are all thoroughly satisfied that these are genuine peas, and that the lady's handkerchief is in the vase upon the table. Quite right. Now observe, I don't even touch the vase, and yet, at the word of command, the handkerchief shall pass into the caddy which I hold in my hand. Pass! During the last few words, and holding the caddy for an instant with the lid towards the audience, so as to screen his hand, he has pushed the sliding tray to the left, so that D, containing the peas, now occupies the end space, while the bottomless compartment E has taken its place in the middle. Dipping down through this compartment into the hollow space beneath, he takes out the substitute handkerchief. My commands are obeyed. Here is the handkerchief. But where are the peas? Probably, as the handkerchief has taken the place of the peas, the peas have taken the place of the handkerchief. Let us see. He uncovers the vase, lifting this time with the cover the removable compartment containing the real handkerchief. Yes, here are the peas, right enough, shaking the vase and taking them up by handfuls to show them. He continues, Now I dare say this seems very surprising to you, but in truth it is comparatively simple. The real difficulty begins when you try to make the handkerchief and the peas travel back again to their original situation. This part of the experiment is so difficult that I always feel a little nervous over it, but I must make the attempt. Pushing the substitute handkerchief openly down to the position it originally occupied, he takes the opportunity, in carrying the caddy back to the table, to slide back the tray as at first, 
and, after a little more talk, shows that the peas have returned to the caddy, and lifting the cover alone from the vase, produces therefrom the genuine handkerchief. The cover to pick up any article. This, called in French, ramasse tout, is a brass cover of six to ten inches in height, and of the shape shown in figure 187. Within it works backwards and forwards on a spring hinge, a kind of scoop, pressing, when at rest, against the side of the cover, as in figure 188, but moving into the position shown in figure 189, whenever pressure is applied to the button A, again returning to its original position when such pressure is removed. The manner of using it is as follows. The performer, we will suppose, desires to cause the disappearance of an orange, in order that it, or a counterpart, may be subsequently produced in some other quarter. Placing the orange upon the table, he places the cover over it, pressing, as he does so, the button A, so as to draw back the scoop. As his hand quits the cover, the pressure being removed, the return of the spring causes the scoop to clip the orange tightly against the side of the cover, and if the cover be now lifted without pressing the button, it will carry the orange with it. If it is desired again to produce the orange, the button is pressed in the act of lifting the cover, which then leaves the orange on the table. It is hardly necessary to observe that the cover is always lifted perpendicularly, so that the spectator cannot see the interior. It is well to be provided with a second similar cover, in external appearance, but without any mechanism. This may be handed round for inspection, and afterwards secretly exchanged for the mechanical cover. End of section 37